Yes, hello there, hello. It's nice and warm under this holiday shawl that I have on today. <laughs> I've got a huge blanket wrapped around my shoulders as I'm uh, broadcasting from my uh, holiday shack. <laughs> I don't know, I feel cold today. I've got a little bit of the heat on. I'm not a big fan of central heating. I've got enough heat radiating from this... Uh, walrus type body the walrus of love <laughs> is 140 episodes of keep calm and cauliflower cheese yes that's today's number this is chappy your dearest host and we're uh, we're indulging you today from our little holiday shack it's beautifully warm under this uh, under this blanket hopefully the warmth is indeed emanating to you the loyal keep calm and cauliflower cheese listener because we're getting into the holiday spirit i was thinking look we're just a month away now we're about five weeks away until uh, until crimbo and uh why don't we get into the into the spirit here i mean it's the first of the uh the big double prong two-parter holiday season here in america with thanksgiving uh, on its uh, on our heels here coming up soon we are delving into how to rescue bad mashed potato i think it's quite important to uh, you know be able to rescue that gloopy mashed potato and um i think that i'm in the tom cruise film minority report um because i'm having advertising tailored to me the, the, those dastardly Artificial intelligent elves, the AI elves, are on my heels yet again. Dasher, Prancer, Vixen, all of them. They're really buggering things up here. Because I had one that's specially tailored to me. uh, Melting holiday moments. And of course, it's my favorite chocolate balls of all. Not Chef's chocolate salty balls, but... um, my favourite chocolate ball, chocolate balls, chocolate, chocolate balls. I would like, uh, oh, hello, Mr. Montepaire. Can I have a chocolate ball, please? And uh, make it shake and not stir. Yeah, so <laughs> my favourite chocolate balls are the lint balls. And now I'm having advertising made directly for me. So I think, you know, I need some ambient, sort of holiday warm music, like a crackling fire. Maybe uh, toasting some uh, toasting some hazelnuts or uh, or maybe some beautiful chestnuts on a roasting fire. That's the ambiance I want. And then all of a sudden, this pops up. So you know, I have a, a larder fully laden with balls, with limp balls, and I'm thinking, do I need one middle of the afternoon? No, no, I don't need one. Not before, because it, it's terrible for the mouth before a podcast. You know, you're going to chuck it on a limp ball constantly. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, you don't want that going on there. So, yeah, that's not very good for elocuting for a podcast. So, who's made their gravy? Has anybody made their gravy yet? I mean, everybody's talking about, like, frozen vegetables, people who've made their gravy. I am so far behind. And I'm seriously fearful I'm not going to be able to get a turkey for Thanksgiving. 
I'm constantly checking these uh, online grocery store sites to check that I can get a young turkey for Thanksgiving. I mean, it has it. You don't want an old bird, do you? That's what I feel. I'm gonna. I'm gonna end up with a grisly old bird, tough. You know, he's stuck in your teeth. You know, he's gonna be stuck in Granny's dentures for the holidays. I mean, you, you can't get those. You just can't get those out of the teeth there. And that's what I'm fearful of. But I'm leaving it too late. So I'm thinking. You know what? I I need to stir myself i need to stir my loins and get going here i need to get going with the podcast you know the the second weekend edition of the podcast and i need to go and shop it and i need to find a young turkey nicely brined but how am i meant to do anything when my favorite chocolate balls are being advertised to me once again every device it's every device i think i'm the most easy target to be sold to though so (laughs) i'm i'm ready i mean i'm ready to go and buy another monster collection of the lint uh, lint chocolate balls and i tell you if i have another packet of them i'll be in perfect auditioning shape for santa claus this year there's a santa shortage i'm ready for action i'm trying to decide if it's better to record this podcast whilst I'm hangry or whilst I'm like full to the brim, uh, like a slightly returned Santa Claus. I don't know what's better. Does, does the hangry make me more hungry to record really marvelous, amusing, thought-provoking content? Or does that sort of full, warm, cozy feel promote a warmer, caring, empathetic sort of host i don't know i mean some of you may want me a little bit more gnarly i don't know and then some of you may prefer the jolly old elf that is your dear host santa claus chappy i don't know i don't know what's the what's the solution here uh, what's better but i think it's getting to the point of the uh, afternoon here and uh, i tell you it's getting dark so quickly doesn't it get so dark in december and uh november really really early so dusk is beginning to set i do have my holiday shawl wrapped around me so i'm keeping that sort of warmth in but i am getting slightly hangry and uh you know i have recorded the podcast before um where i've been a little bit on edge and uh yeah maybe i need like some uh some tortilla chips and dip but that's again i cleaned the microphone off yesterday and that green chili dip would go absolutely everywhere i you know we caked on the microphone again it would be dripping off my chin um i mean you know you don't want to be walking the dogs around the neighborhood with a uh, the remnants of dip wiped off and that sort of stain because people could have all sorts of feelings on what sort of stain that could be uh, all over your shirt i mean it's like um it's like the toothpaste stain. Now, I, as I said on a previous podcast, I do have a very, very drippy mouth. I mean, the toothpaste goes absolutely everywhere. I think I have more saliva than most people. Well, you know, it's perfect for voiceovers, podcasting, etc. Uh, because you don't have to lubricate your throat so much. 
Um, but it, you know, the, the toothpaste stain does go everywhere, and then you have to sort of explain yourself, unless you have a complete costume change. Because, you know, if I if I start cleaning my teeth, I probably need about three or four costume changes afterwards. That's uh, that's how that uh, that works. So coming along the way on the podcast today, we're looking at Thanksgiving through British eyes. So it's sort of a, a British explanation for an American holiday. And I, I never have felt like particularly like an interloper like I do on the 4th of July. But there's just certain things that I just don't get. I mean, I just don't get pumpkin pie. I mean, it, it tastes like cinnamony sweet vegetable, you know, and I'm not particularly enamored by it. Pureed pumpkin on top of a pie. And what is the obsession with pies? I've never got pies. You know, if I have apple pie, I need it ladled with custard. So much custard is drowning. It's a tsunami of custard. That's the only way I can handle apple pie. And then uh, and then blueberry pie. Well, it's not so bad. Peach pie. I, I'm much more about the crisp, I think. Although, or in the UK, we call it crumble. I'm much more about the fruit crumble, I think, than, uh, than necessarily the pie. Unless the custard outweighs the uh outweighs the pie if there's more custard on there than fruit and pie then i I can probably handle it because i can't see it you know as i always think that a pie should be a meat pie yeah call me call me old-fashioned call me call me so british i'm from the old country and i just love the meat pie i'm not sweeney todd or anything along those lines but it's just my favorite a unctuous sort of meat pie with its chicken and mushroom or beef or even a cheese and onion pie. I'd have that every day of the week before a fruit pie. And I'm sure there'll be people turning off in their droves saying, you're an absolute charlatan chappy, not liking the fruit pie. I I prefer pecan or pecan pie to, uh, to pumpkin pie. Every day of the bloody week. And I would I would actually go, I'd crush up some of those pecans, put some cornflakes in, get that sort of treacly goodness in. Now that would be a holiday pie for me. That sounds fantastic. I still dream about that at school. Where we they, they served us these wonderful like cornflake uh, pies. It was like cornflakes and treacle and gooey toffiness in a pie. I mean, I did find the pubic hair in there one day. I mean, that's a whole different story. I mean, that's maybe why I've been put off pies over the years because I found one of the uh, one of the one of the one of the gentlemen or ladies uh, who uh, who were part of the catering company who served us uh, served us lunch and lunch and tea. For some reason, there was a pubic hair in there. That wasn't another sort of. I mean, how does one know a pubic hair from it? Well, you can you can tell these things. And I think that's put me off pies. Pubic hairs in pies can, can, can really upset a youth. It's like I didn't eat fish for so many years. I mean, they said, where are you going here, chappy? You're talking about pubic hair, now you're talking about fish. No, there's no euphemisms here, I promise you. But I put off fish because I got a bone stuck in my throat when I was a, when I was a young lad. And it put me off fish for many years. And I think the, the sheer traumatization of finding a pubic hair in one's pie that's been that's been enough 
has been enough. So we're going to be looking at Thanksgiving through a, a, a British chap's eyes today on the podcast. Um, we also do have some Trump or trombone. We're going to delve into rubbish poker again, where basically I look at my fully laden skip, my rubbish skip that's at the front of New Chappie Towers here. And there's some absolute wondrous things there. The things that people throw away. And we'll see what two hands. What have we got on the front hand? What have we got on the back hand? Do we have a royal flush this week? I think maybe, maybe we do. Uh, we, we're looking at British problems again, very British problems. My favorite website of all. They've got an absolute beauty that I was reading uh, overnight here. We may be talking about how to wrap a Christmas present like a pro. We may be talking about Oregon woman finding a bat lying on the windshield of her car. We may be talking about the creepy things people find after moving into their new house. And also how a man has, who had migraines for his whole life cured by switching to a pure diet of vegetables. I mean, just imagine, I mean, I, God bless him for curing his migraines. But just imagine having a pure diet of cabbage and Brussels sprouts. There's probably like a green haze going around. You'll probably look like the Grinch and probably smell like the Grinch. So there's a lovely article in the New Statesman Thanksgiving explainer for, uh, for British people. So the fourth Thursday in November means that people across America waking up to a raw turkey, waiting to be roasted in their refrigerator. But I tell you, everybody's made their gravy so far. I'm the only person who hasn't made their gravy so far. I feel so behind, as I said. So if you're a British person or European, you may be aware that Thanksgiving is happening, but you're thinking, what the hell is this holiday about? So the history of the holiday is in honor of 1621. English settlers, the Pilgrims in Plymouth, Massachusetts, had a three-day festival to celebrate the first successful harvest since arriving to the New World to escape from those debauched, drunken, oversexed Brits, basically. So that, that, that's what they did. They're having a party, a three-day party. But just imagine a three-day party back in the UK. How much fun that would have been. I mean, there would have been probably booze, drugs, uh, lots of orgies. I mean, that's a sort of party. That's a party. That's a three-day party you want to be part of. You don't want to be at a three-day party with prayers and eating wild turkey, because wild turkey probably tastes a little bit gamey and a little bit grisly. It's a bit like that over-mature turkey that I talked about earlier. So, anyway, it's always on the fourth Thursday of uh, of November. And, I mean, British people love to have layers upon layers of weird, boring, religious law added to every holiday in the calendar. Nearly all of the holidays have some Christian significance. A million historical dreadful oil paintings to honour it. There's a saint probably thrown in there as well. Thanksgiving is not like this. It's literally just a simple day where you're meant to reflect on what you appreciate in your life and spend time with people you're not uh, you're at least supposed to love uh, it has no religious elements well at least not technically it's celebrated by all americans regardless of background and doesn't have a commercial element other than bragging about how expensive a turkey was it's generally a pretty nice holiday in theory and is merely centered around gratitude thankfulness and eating 
I mean, the the biggest problem that I have uh, around Thanksgiving is, uh, you know, I like to dress to impress on my holidays. Maybe a suit or a jacket or a, a nice pair of trousers at least. But you can't do that on Thanksgiving because you're eating so many calories. You need an elasticated waistband before you can enter and have an American Thanksgiving. I mean, that's why some just wear pajamas or elasticated uh, trousers because they need to be able to get the calories in. And, you know, a pair of suit trousers doesn't have a lot of give on them come seven o'clock at night where you're tucking into your third slice of pie. Although I won't be doing that because, as I said, I am a hater of the fruit pie. Just don't understand it. But I'm not going to. I'm not going to go down that avenue where I'm going to put on a pair of elasticated trousers or sweatpants, sweat trousers, leisure trousers, leisure trousers, whatever you want to call them. I'm not going to do that. I just can't do that. Just cannot do that. But what happens on Thanksgiving? If you're not cooking, Thanksgiving is a pretty sweet setup. Well, I'm cooking. I'm already getting nervous about it. I'm already sweating. And it's not because of my holiday shawl that's wrapped around me. Traditionally, families will gather at one house in the early afternoon, eat light snacks, and starve themselves to about 4 or 5 p.m. That's the problem. You, you know, you can't get away with a bacon sandwich in the morning. And then everybody eats a million-course meal that makes everybody very uncomfortable, full and sleepy, and sit around until the evening when everybody goes home and passes out. However, if you're cooking, it typically falls onto one to three people who are responsible for feeding up to 15 people. I don't think I'm going to be feeding 15 people. Maybe, maybe. Thanksgiving is a living nightmare. Picture a traditional British Christmas dinner that often doubles or triples the food load. Preparation starts days before and properly kicks off on Thanksgiving Day in the early hours of the morning. Traditionally, from about midday, fussy children and adult men ask incessantly what time the food will be ready in which the answer is many, 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 many hours. This is followed by a manic rush to get a spread, and let's remember it could feed a village all out at the exact same time. This is why you need to keep your plates hot. Or you have the most marvellous invention that my mother has, which is a hostess trolley. I tell you something, you, you would love, I, I really want a hostess trolley. It keeps everything warm, it's absolutely perfect. So then there's the parade. I mean, I like the food, but I don't get the parade of silly dressed people walking along freezing cold, uh, you know, around um, yeah, around Central Park in New York City. It's broadcasted in national television. Uh, enormous floats, inflatable cartoon characters get dragged down the street by a thousand of tired, presumably very strong people. And there's a bunch of American football games that are going on at the same time. Some people watch Christmas movies. And uh, yes, and, and, and by the way, do not start the argument this year that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. We cannot start that argument too early. It's too early to be talking about Die Hard being a Christmas movie. But I tell you, it, it almost sounds like that the dodgy floats and the cartoon characters and then the afternoon of American football, that's when you really need to be comatose. You need to go into like a food coma or possibly a booze-soaked food coma. And then all will be well in the uh, in the Western world. I'm forever subtly trying to introduce some some different types of food into Thanksgiving. I mean, I do like a turkey, especially moist breast, lovely. But but 
try to introduce like a cassoulet or a bouillabaisse or a roast pheasant or roast duck. Now, now you know you've got it when it comes to Thanksgiving. If you can introduce some of those elements into it as well. And my favorite of all, trying to swap duck fat roast potato for insipid gloopy mashed potato. Hats off to that. If you're trying to increase your energy levels, there are some sheer wonders out there. Six vitamins and supplements that increase energy and fight fatigue. And if ever you need it this week, with too much eating, getting up early because you have to put a turkey in the oven six hours ahead of time. All right, try some vitamin B12 necessary for cells to produce energy. Try some coenzyme Q10, crucial for energy production. Also, if you need to sleep, well, the tryptophan in Turkey will probably knock you out for days, but magnesium also promotes better sleep. Optimize cell function with iron. I think, you know, I don't know how much... Yeah, well, maybe yeah, maybe the meat, maybe some of the vegetables, you're getting some iron, uh, iron in there as well. Ease stress and feel your best with adaptogens. So... I was thinking, what the hell are adaptogens? They're a group of botanical supplements to protect the body against the effects of physical and mental stress. To be considered aptogenic, a herb or herb must be non-toxic, provide whole spread and widespread physiological support. While this concept may feel new, the plant-based medicines it refers to, such as ginseng, have been used in traditional Chinese medicine for centuries reduce stress and fatigue with rudiola rosea isn't that what i get i get flushed cheeks and that's a target so no that's rosacea isn't it you're terribly fresh flushed cheeks darling but you can reduce stress and fatigue with rodalia rosea rodalia also known as rodalia rosea is a botanical supplement that's been used in traditional medicine in Eastern Europe and Asia for centuries. It helps you feel more alert, decrease, uh, decrease stress, and also can improve your mood. And also, you need to put your teeth in. I hope you haven't had an afternoon shot. But ashwagandha, the ancient stress remedy, ashwagandha has been used over 3,000 years. This herb is, grows in Mediterranean across the Middle East Africa and Pakistan, and has been praised with traditional Indian medicine. It reduced levels of cortisol, known as a stress hormone. So these are the elements, these are the herbs. These are the herbs and supplements you need for your first of the holiday weeks, moving uh, swiftly towards Christmas, but the Thanksgiving week, why do you get these herbs in? And if all else fails, a spoonful of goose grease, mixed with a bit of turmeric, and some apple cider vinegar, that will set you right. A couple of points of order here from the week. Just the, uh, the mind and curiosity wandering and meandering around here, as always. But I was thinking, has COVID ruined the brothel? I mean, not that I frequent these sorts of places, but I'm just wondering. I mean, of all the places that have probably gone out of business, I mean, the movie theaters had, had their struggles Pars, bars, pubs, restaurants had their trouble. But I, I, would, I would think that brothels have not recovered their clientele. 
I mean, just imagine the amount of uh, hand sanitizer and all sorts of other sanitizer you have to use as well. I mean, it, it's probably caused a real issue for these types of uh, establishments, I would imagine. I mean, what do you do? I mean, do you have your your typical uh, COVID protector mask under the GIMPS mask? Or does the GIMPS mask go on top of the uh, COVID protector mask? I mean, it could be terribly sweaty with all those masks on. So anyway, so what's happened to the brothels? Have they gone out of, have they gone out of business? Uh, will they ever recover? Who knows? I mean, it maybe made you think that brothels back in the day of the bubonic and pneumonic plague. I mean, if you sort of, you know, got naked in a brothel and uh, you had one of those big old bulbous bubonic plague uh, warts on there. I mean, nobody would ever go near you. It'd be absolutely awful. And then if you're coughing, if you've got the pneumonic plague, you're coughing up a lung. So if brothels can survive the Black Plague, the Black Death, pneumonic and bubonic plague, then I'm sure they'll get past COVID. <laughs> I mean, these are things that cross my mind. I think this crossed me in the mi- my mind in the middle of the night. You know, have brothels survived COVID? Have you tried one of the most delicious drinks at Starbucks? If you haven't, I have to take the holiday shawl off. I'm getting all sweaty under the armpits, the top lip, everything's sweaty now. Such a lovely blanket, though. Absolutely delightful. Um, But yeah, have you tried one of the new drinks? First of all, I went into Starbucks, love Starbucks, but went into Starbucks and I could get my gingerbread latte. I mean, this is the start of the season for me. The gingerbread latte is the start of the holiday season for me. You know, that, that essence of ginger. I mean, it's like a dancing gingerbread man in your tummy. That's, that's how it feels to me. But I can't get it. It's gone out of... So what am I going to do here? And I thought, you know, as always, I'm turning into like the Larry David, Victor Meldrew of, um, of life generally. And I, I thought, okay, so I see something I like there. An Irish cream cold brew. I don't want it cold. It's bloody cold outside. I've got like a frosticle hanging from my snout. I do not want to have a cold drink. But you know that Irish, that cold Irish cream, that sounds bloody amazing. I want some of that, but I want it in a hot drink. So anyway, the lady very kindly, I mean, I'm a night, nightmare to all baristas, but the lady very kindly mixed in some of the old, uh, the cold Irish cream into the top of my latte. And I took a sip. And it took me back to my grandfather, Frank, him making me a little bit, very, very small. I mean, he didn't, you know, I wasn't alcoholic as a child or anything, but a little small hot toddy made from whiskey. And I tell you, that Irish cream in the Starbucks coffee tasted a little boozy. And I've looked everywhere and there's the essence of cocoa. Okay, you know, that was brewed. That Irish cream was brewed in a bourbon barrel or a whiskey barrel or something. There is an essence there of the hot toddy. It's so delicious though. Absolutely fantastic. It's the best warming winter drink anyway. Forget that. So all of you, all of you millennials, Gen Z's out there, all of you hipsters are drinking a cold brews when it's minus 20. Try mixing some of that Irish cream coffee in the top of your latte and you're going to say, thank you, chappy.
There's nothing worse than gluey, lumpy or bland mashed potatoes. To keep your spuds from turning out subpar, follow these easy fixes for frequently made mistakes. Pillow white, creamy and smooth mashed potatoes are impossible not to love. I mean, it's basically describing like food porn here. A streaming spoonful will seduce even the pickiest eater to the table and turn a plain piece of meat into a meal. But for something so simple, they're surprisingly nuanced. So here are some easy repairs. The mistake, using the wrong kind of potato. Thick skin varieties like russets will give you the fluffiest results. Steer clear of waxy red skin potatoes, which turn gluey when mashed. If it's too late to make the swap, change course and roast the potatoes, toss with uh, oil, garlic and some rosemary instead of boiling them. The mistake, cutting potatoes into too smaller pieces. They will absorb too much water during the cooking, preventing them from soaking up all the yummy butter and cream when it comes time for mashing. The best sized chunks for boiling are about one and a half inches. If you've gone too small, keep a close eye on the pot so they don't overcook and become waterlogged. You'll have a whole Titanic of a potato situation here. The mistake, not salting the water just when... As when cooking pasta, generously season the water will help you pack in more flavor. If you forget to do so before adding potatoes, you can season generously once you've drained them. Mistake, adding potatoes to boiling water. Potatoes require a long time to cook. When you add them to boiling water, the exterior can cook faster than the inside, leading to an unevenly cooked and lumpy mash. Always start potatoes in cold water. Lower the water to a simmer so the potatoes cook slowly. Mashing in cold butter and cream. Adding mix in straight from the fridge not only inhibits absorption, but will bring down the temperature of your dish to reheat a pot of mashed potatoes. Fill a larger pot partway with water. Bring to the simmer and insert the potato into the pot. Warm the mashed potatoes until heated through. It's like a potato bon marie, I guess. As long as the water is hot, the potatoes will stay warm. Next time, bring the butter to room temperature and gently warm the milk or cream before adding them to your spuds. Overworking the potatoes in a food processor blender or mixer. Too much or too vigorous mashing will produce gluey potatoes. Your best tool is an old-fashioned masher, fork ricer or food mill. If you've already done the damage, turn pasty potatoes into a casserole spread them into a baking dish drizzle with melted butter and sprinkle with grated cheese and uh, breadcrumbs bake until bubbling and browned on top or you can just make a shepherd's pie okay welcome to rubbish poker again another session of rubbish poker will we get a royal flush today will it be a six card trick as you know <laughs> nothing about poker but okay so we have the front hand here in our rubbish in our rubbish poker today this is what i saw at the skip at the front of chappie towers always on a monday possibly on a sunday you see some delightful things some of them you want to take some of them you wish you had never seen so we have the front hand here the first card pulled out for our rubbish poker is a packet of turkey jerky Turkey jerky, very seasonal. Turkey jerky, which expired in 2016. That's the first item on Rubbish Poker today. Uh, turkey jerky expired in 2016. We have an absolute double bonus here. We have a bonus card here. The, uh, the, the, the poker dealer, the croupier, 
has dealt you another card, ladies and gentlemen, in our rubbish poker game. We have on the next card in our rubbish poker a half-eaten burrito with a sprinkling of pico de gallo. But our front hand, our royal flush, they're never going to believe this. So we had a half-eaten burrito with some pico de gallo on there. We had some expired turkey jerky from 2016. But today's winner, the ace in the pack, we have a selection of crack pipes. Oh, what fabulous, fabulous game of rubbish poker. But here's another game that I suggest you should play. I really suggest this. Have you ever been in a situation where you see a, you know, a, a beautifully put together older man, very nice suit, slightly aging, no mothballs in there, and, uh, and a very, very good head of hair, swept back, thinking very nice corporate hairstyle. But then he turns around and he has an unexpected ponytail. He has an unexpected ponytail. You weren't even suspecting it. I mean, how about an unexpected man bun as well? But the unexpected ponytail, he turns around, he has that neat corporate look, and then, ding, 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 the unexpected ponytail. Okay, so what does one eat at Thanksgiving? This is our guide for Brits and everybody around the world about Thanksgiving. It's for a Brit's eyes, admittedly, from the delicious to the disgusting, a Thanksgiving meal features turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing gravy, cranberry sauce, and then the whole assortment of pies. It's so boring. Pumpkin, apple pie, blueberry pie, pecan pie. There's a lot of pies. Roast potatoes, bread, Brussels sprouts. Now, I'm glad the Brussels sprout has been introduced to the equation. You can roast those so easily with some uh, pancetta uh, or bacon and delicious, uh, delicious, delicious piece of nuts as well. You can try some chestnuts on it, absolutely lovely. But then, oh my God, Velveeta cheese. That's fake cheese. It wasn't made by cows. It was made by artificial robotic cows, everybody. Salad, potato salad. I mean, there's so many potatoes in a Thanksgiving meal. And then the unholy, my goodness, Mother of Mary sweet potatoes oh but the worst of all is the marshmallow topping on the sweet potatoes please do not explain this to me it makes me ill to think about it you put basically s'mores on top of sweet potatoes you put sweet on sweet leave the sweet potato alone do not bastardize it with marshmallows it should not be allowed okay basically thanksgiving for a brit size why do you guys eat pumpkin pie jesus christ how is it so hard for an entire nation to wrap their heads around pumpkin pie is incredibly smooth silky insanely sweet dessert but basically it's a blended root vegetable uh that that cinnamon i mean it, it's 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 so inept. It's, it's, it's really like the worst dessert ever. And you leave this to the end of the meal. This is the cornerstone of the Thanksgiving meal. I mean, pumpkins should only be carved. They should be not be used in anything. You can't put them in soup. 
you can't make them in stews, you can, can't put them on a kebab, you cannot put them in a dessert. They only are meant to be used to scare away ghouls and ghastly goblins. That's all that pumpkins should be used for. I much prefer my raisins, brandy-soaked blazing cake with a sixpence in it to the pumpkin pie. But that's just my judgment. So, who do you celebrate Thanksgiving with? The prevalence of Friendsgiving has increased over the last several years, with friends having male friends in addition to the normal Thanksgiving. But Thanksgiving is usually celebrated with extended family. This can be a fun tradition or Russian roulette, depending on who your family is and whether or not they own a MAGA hat. Thanksgiving is almost... Uh, has a connotation about the annual political discussions, a battle royal for families when they have to deal with drunk uncles complaining about female sport commentators and racist aunts describing uh, all sorts of nasty things as well. Also, you have to deal with distant family members uh, like strange cousins, uh, maybe somebody with a forelock or a cyclops there. Uh, your recently divorced uncle's new girlfriend. All of this is a possible a possible thing you have to deal with on the whole Thanksgiving thing. The downside of Thanksgiving is it created Black Friday. Yes. The stampedes, the madness, the stress, the strain, the commercial. So you've got a, a, a lovely holiday that's not commercialized. And then straight after you have the most commercial day of the year. I mean, who would believe it? I guess you can expel a lot of energy and a lot of calories from the day before by rushing around, getting yourself in distress because you can't find a 75-inch television. Who needs a 75-inch television when you've got five 60-inch televisions scattered around the house? Welcome to a seasonal trumpet trombone. It's no secret that cheese is one of the greatest foodie pleasures in life. Here in the UK, there's a wide variety of cheeses offered in supermarkets, delicatessens from cheddar to red Leicester to Wensleydale. We're also lucky to try cheeses from French Camembert, Parmesan, Parmigiano. But it turns out over in the US, many food lovers might be missing out on the fabulous British cheeses. There's one red poster. It was reported in the Daily Star, a person from America had gone viral online after sharing their reaction to trying UK cheese for the first time. The post on Reddit's casual UK forum reads, not from the UK, but finally tried some real UK cheddar cheese and I feel I've been lied my whole life. I picked out some Wick vintage aged cheddar at my local Costco and it's honestly one of the best things I've ever tasted. In the US, we normally get this soft, waxy, orange-colored cheddar that... It comparatively has very little cheese flavor. This UK cheddar is white. It's a deep, rich flavor that crumbles like a good Parmigiano. The UK does not F around with its cheese. I wonder what I've been missing out on all these years. Ladies and mantelpieces, English cheddar is the prince of cheddars, not the pauper. And if you've never heard of the corpse wax or grave wax, then consider this a lesson in some weird and wonderful things that our bodies can do once we've bitten the dust. The first discovery of this certain phenomenon was in 1786 at the Holy Innocent Cemetery in Paris. The cemetery was in the process of being closed and relocated to what would eventually become the famous French 
Paris catacombs. As the bodies are exhumed from the moisture-filled earth of the former cemetery, workers noticed that the corpses were covered in a grey waxy substance. This was known as corpse wax, derived from the word adipo, adiposer, meaning fat, and ser, meaning wax. The startling substance is an off-colour white that has an odour of ammonia. The corpse wax is widely referred to preserves and depletes the corpse of moisture. Saponification, the creation of soap, is a transformation of the fat and tissues of a corpse chemically used on a molecular level. In order for this bizarre process to take place, a corpse generally needs to be placed in a warm, wet uh, area devoid of oxygen with the presence of bacterial enzymes here. And following the initial discovery in 1786 in Paris, they also discovered and faced the same fate in Philadelphia in 1875. So essentially water is leaked into the caskets and the fats of the body transformed into soapy and flaky. I mean, when I think about imperial leather, I don't think about the leathery consistency of a corpse. It sounds absolutely awful. I wouldn't be seen dead around a catacomb. Wax on, run off. More than one in ten men, 12%, admit that they enjoy a guilty pleasure movie on the toilet, the garderobe, the lavatoire. More than double the number of women who tune in whilst on the throne. A poll of 2,000 adults have found that nearly double the number of men, 15%, uh, the women 9% like to kick back with a guilty pleasure viewing when they're in the bath. According to the research, Brits also do, le do let a bad review stand in the way of tuning into a cheesy classic whilst on the pot. 6 in 10 adults ignore film critics when choosing a movie. More than 70% confess to loving flicks that have been panned by experts. I mean, my, my fear is always... Um, my fear is always dropping the device into the toilet. But apparently the research commissioned by the new free on-demand streaming service Pluto, so you could watch Pluto on the loo, absolutely fantastic, for a guilty pleasure. I mean, let's hope that one of the movie choices isn't gone with the wind. That would be an epic. And a mischievous cow appears to have escaped from a slaughterhouse in Brazil and found its way back to a nearby water park. But though it managed to evade death, the huge animal risked collapsing in a tall flume when it awkwardly trotted on its knees. Luckily, the slide, reported only designed to hold 450 pounds, held firm under the cow's roughly 700 pound weight. The animal, unlikely dash of freedom, had a ha happy ending 500 miles west of Rio de Janeiro, where the ranch owner adopted it and named it Tobaga Slide in Portuguese. I mean, it's really lucky it wasn't a pig. It could be a whole slip and sow uh, if it had been the other farm animal there's been lovely marvelous 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 stuff having you here today on the second uh, part of the weekend keep coming cauliflower cheese episode 140 so just warning you next week uh, we're going to certainly slip in one of these podcasts uh, possibly two but it couldn't it may just be one just warning you the listener it could be a busy week i'm going to be working my fingers to the bone cooking nearly all week I mean, when you're like, uh, you have to brine a turkey, you're making 20 types of mashed potato. Uh, I promise you, I will not be adding marshmallows to any sort of sweet potato. Though. I promise you, the audience, I will not be doing that. 
But if you like the audio version of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, Apple Music, Spotify, Audible, Amazon Music, uh, Pandora, iHeartRadio, all of the above, you can listen just to the audio ramblings of a deranged butler. If you like a musical edition of the podcast, then you can get in the moods for the holiday season with a little bit of Hanson. You have some chocolate salty balls. You have some Sting. You have some U2. You have some Lizzo, Snoop Dogg. You have a little bit of Wax as well. Bruno Mars. You have some of the Wonder stuff as well. So a mixture of some uh, rather eccentric favorites and some holiday music as well, if you, if you like that. So that's if you like the uh, musical and pouring butler edition that you can hear on spotify like and subscribe where you can at keep cheese on twitter keep calm and cauliflower cheese on instagram if you like listen to that and we do have a very seasonal thanksgiving type of poem coming up next oh if you're listening to the spotify musical edition there is a rather lovely song coming up next if you haven't heard it you have to dig this one out caroline polachek and it's the best song title ever you're so hot you're hurting my feelings. Tears for time to together, turkey talk and tangy weather. H for harvest stored away from home and half and holiday. A for autumn's frosty art and abundance in the heart. N for neighbours and November, nice things, new things to remember. K is for kitchen, kettles, croon, kith and kin, expected soon. And S is for sizzles, sights and sounds and something that's special that abounds. That spells... Thanks for joy and living and a jolly good Thanksgiving. Watch out for the next podcast, probably on Black Friday without the opulence. Uh, but have a wonderful, happy and delightful Thanksgiving if I, don't, uh, if I don't talk to you until afterwards. But until next week, and keep coming cauliflower cheese, it's cheerio for now. <laughs>